Another great week of the Tyson pre-show. <laughs> I am. I know you are too. And we're going to get after it and get into our topic real soon. But before we do that, I just want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for all of those people that are tuning in. The audience is growing. That is just amazing. Uh, now global. I can't even believe that. That's just crazy. So hello to those of you listening in South America and Europe and Africa. You guys are awesome. Those in the South Pacific as well. You're awesome too. And thank you for listening to all of those who are right here in the United States of America. And I just want to encourage you to reach out to me. If you're looking to grow yourself, to grow as an individual, and maybe it's a hobby, maybe it's an entrepreneurial endeavor, maybe it's just you need to take care of your spirit, which is the core of who we are, then reach out to me, Tyson at TysonPriest.com. And I want to help you. I do one-on-one life coaching. I also do a group coaching called a mastermind where people are pursuing all different sorts of endeavors. And we are encouraging one another, sharing our resources, sharing our networks, sharing uh, books we've read, life lessons, and so on. It's an awesome group to be a part of. So I just want to invite you to be a part of that. Again, Tyson at TysonPriest.com. Well, this week's topic is going to be a little different. I want to talk to you about courage, courage in the face of the multitude. Now, courage sometimes can be hard to generate, hard to even maybe define. In fact, I know that courage sometimes seems like a foreign concept at times as we all just kind of commute to our daily grind. Maybe that's you. You're there in the car uh, listening to this on your way to work or on your way home from work. You're doing the same thing day in and day out. And I know, hey, that commute sometimes can be courageous. Take courage to make that commute. But I'm talking about going against the flow, standing up, standing up against the norm, standing out When nobody else is willing to stand out. People who don't care about fitting in. I mean, after all, you cannot fit in and stand out. So you are people. You are a person that decides to stand out and not fit in with the norm. Whatever the norm is, I don't know. But you got the idea, right? So today I want to share with you an historical event that I didn't know anything about. It really kind of surprised me. I was taken aback when I heard about this last week, and so I did some digging around. Um, As you've heard me say before, one of the jobs of a pastor is to study and to study well. Any pastor worth their salt should be one of the most studied, uh, well-studied person in their community. And so pastors spend a lot of time just studying, diving, digging in. And I've came across this story. And I want to share it with you. The year was 1939. This is pre-World War II. This is a time when the United States is in a deep uh, recession. 
We'll call it the Great Depression. Work is hard to come by. People are looking for jobs. People are looking for places to live. There is, um, if you know anything about uh, migration within the United States, there is a great migration from Appalachia to the eastern and western and northern Kentucky parts of Indiana and Ohio. Um, that is covered in a great book called Born Fighting and in another great book called Hillbilly Elegy. So there's a mass migration going on. People are moving, shifting. The, the nation is in flux. People are looking for answers. But something else is going on in the United States. Something else that you're not going to read about in your history book. You're not going to probably hear people talk about. There are going on in the United States summer camps for kids and propaganda going around for a little-known group, really not so little, actually, in the, in the 30s. Um, and that group is known as... The Great American Bund. That's right, B-U-N-D, the Great American Bund. Now, this is an organization that was headquartered in Manhattan, and they had thousands and thousands of members across the United States uh, in the 1930s. Again, people looking for answers. Now, what is the Great American Bund organization? Well, quite, quite frankly, it was a Nazi organization operating within the United States. They openly supported Hitler. It was almost parallel with the growth of fascism in Europe. Um, they held parades across the United States. They had bookstores. And again, as I said, they had summer camps for youth. Uh, their vision for America was kind of this idea of Nazi fascism, that the United States would fall in line with Germany and that they would join Germany. And this great guy that they thought great, Adolf Hitler, this was a thing in the 30s. This was a thing in the 30s. And on February 20th, 1939, they held a national rally in Manhattan at Madison Square Garden. And at this rally were 20,000 people. 20,000 people came to the Great American Boon uh, Rally. And 20,000 people flooded into the Madison Square Garden in New York. All of them with the swastika armbands all of them pro-Hitler. It was kind of <laughs> came to be known as the day the Nazis took Manhattan. And they had, uh, just let me kind of set the stage for you visually here at this rally. You can Google it. It's uh, The History Channel has some stuff on it. NPR has some stuff on it. Uh, there's multiple things out there on it. But there's 20,000 people that are pro-Hitler, pro-Nazi this night in Manhattan. They have armbands with the swastikas, as I said. And on the stage, 
is a choir. And in the middle of the stage is a huge, I think, 20-foot, maybe 30-foot uh, banner of George Washington. George is flanked by two American flag banners. And then just outside of those two American flag banners are swastika banners. They start the they start this conference, if you will. They start this off with <laughs> the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. But instead of a hand over the heart, their hands are held out like the Heil Hitler. And it is a full-blown Nazi political rally in Manhattan. Full-blown. Now, the New York Police Department, they were not caught unaware. So they issue 1,700 police officers to encircle uh, Madison, uh, Madison Square Garden. They encircle Madison Square Garden, 1,700 police officers, 20,000 Nazis, pro-Nazis. This is in 1939. This is February 20th, so if my memory serves me correctly, this is six months before Hitler invades Poland and World War II starts. This is six months before 1,700 New York police officers surround Madison Square Garden. Then something begins to happen to the people outside of Madison Square Garden. People realize what's happening. And in the United States, they were not ignorant of what was going on in Europe and the rise of Hitler in Europe. So over 100,000 people gather outside of Madison Square Garden to show their... Uh, disdain, if you will, of what's going on inside the garden. So you've got 20,000 Hitler-supporting Nazi people of the Nazi party, the great American Bund, they were called. And at this rally, they're talking about the United States needs to be a Gentile, uh, white, supremacist, Gentile nation. And we need to fall in line with Germany and the Nazis and their ideology. And on the outside, you have over 100,000 people in protest of this, protesting this. Now, just think about what's going on inside and outside, the, the emotional fervor and passion and, and, and getting, you know, getting the emotions worked up, right? You've got on one side and one on the other side, and I just want to stop here for a minute and talk about courage in the face of our emotions getting carried away. There are times in life where the dichotomy, the paradox, the opposite is just going to seem so extreme, right? This doesn't make right, wrong, and wrong, right. Right is right and wrong is wrong. And so at some point you have to say, this can't happen. This can't go on, right? We tend to, at times, allow our emotions to get in the way. We sometimes allow our emotions to carry us away, say, in the heat of the moment, right? we tend to allow ourselves to get caught up in things that we look back on and we're like, yeah, 
wasn't one of my smarter moves, right? Like it happens to all of us. It happens to, it, we're all vulnerable to this, right? We're all vulnerable to getting caught up in the emotion of the moment and doing something stupid. I mean, look back at your life. Look back, I mean, my own life. I look back and I go, yep, that was dumb. Shouldn't have done that. I mean, think about it. You got 20,000 people in here demanding that Nazis rule the United States. You've got 100,000 people on the outside telling them to shut up and sit down and 1,700 police officers police officers caught in between. Like, where's this all going? Where is this all going? It, well, let me tell you where it's going. Within the crowd of the 20,000 people, there was a gentleman, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to totally uh, botch his name. His first name, anyway. I think his first name is Isidore Greenbaum. Now, Isidore Greenbaum was inside. He had he had snuck past the police and gone into Madison Square Garden to see what was going on. One man, one man decided he had a responsibility. And something needed to be done. It couldn't go on. He couldn't, he couldn't, he was, he was a plumber. He was just an ordinary plumber from Manhattan. There was no reason that, you know, he wasn't in the military. He wasn't some special forces guy. He wasn't some spy. He was just your family man, three kids, a wife, I know he has three kids. You can research it. He has three kids, a wife, a plumber in Manhattan. And he's like, you know, I have a responsibility here to do what's right. You and I would call this courage. I would call this bravery. Because here's one man out of 100,000 on the outside. One man decides to go in and penetrate and figure out what's going on. And so he gets in and he gets to the back of the Madison Square Garden and he's looking up at the stage and he's listening to what's being said. Now, the man on stage, Fritz Kuhn, was the leader. He was a leader of the Bundesführer, and that was the part of the Great American Boone Party. He was, he was the leader. And he basically wanted to, if, if you study Fritz Kuhn, he wanted to be the Hitler of the United States. This was his goal. That was his plan. And right now, as of February 20th, 1969, in the evening, he's got 20,000 people supporting him. That's a lot of people in Manhattan alone. That's a lot of people. And here's what he says and it sets Greenbaum off. Greenbaum's in, he's listening to this. This rally is about three hours long. And at some point, Greenbaum gets in. I, I don't know what point he gets in, but he's listening and listening and listening. And something inside of him isn't agreeing to this. Something inside of him is being awakened, right? And so here's what happened. Coons begins his opening remark with this. You all have heard me through the Jewish controlled press. Wake up, your Aryan, Nordic, and Christians. 
to demand that our government be returned to the people who founded it. Okay. Now, Greenbaum at this point is furious, is furious. And he knows this isn't right. He knows this is absolutely wrong. Under no circumstances is this correct. One man in a crowd of 20,000 people bum rushes the stage from the back, breaks through a line of Nazi stormtroopers in Madison Square Garden, gets up on stage, grabs Kuhn's mic, throws it down, and yells to the crowd of 20,000 people, down with Hitler. Well, you know, what's going to happen when one man faces 20,000 people? You've probably got an idea of what happens. Greenbaum then is standing on stage yelling down with Hitler. And at this moment, the security of the great American Boone Party, also known as Stormtroopers, storms the stage and multiple men begin to just pummel Greenbaum on stage. And if you listen to the audio, you can get on YouTube, uh, listen to some audio of this. When you listen to the audio, the crowd goes nuts, nuts, watching Greenbaum just get pummeled. And then finally, just after a few seconds, and you can actually see the video. This was all recorded on video. You can go on YouTube, see the video of this. As they start pummeling him, New York, New York police rush the stage. They save Greenbaum. He gets away with a couple black eyes, a broken nose, and that's it. So the guys that were pummeling him <laughs> weren't doing a very good job. Okay, <laughs> But the police get in, break him away from the storm, Nazi stormtroopers that are on stage. And as they're pulling him away, one of the stormtroopers reaches over and depances Greenbaum. And the police get him and they take him out. Now, that wasn't the end. The crowd goes nuts. And then the leader of the party just goes on with his speech like nothing happened. But then Greenbaum has had enough. And so Greenbaum quits plumbing and he joins the military and he joins the military to fight Nazis to go across the seas to fight Nazis because of courage because he sees a wrong and he says I've got to stand up for what's right if it's me versus 20,000 people I'll do it if it means that I have to leave the 100,000 people that just want to hold picket signs, and you can look up the pictures. These 100,000 people just hoisting picket signs and screaming and yelling about how Nazism is wrong. He has to get. He has to do more, and he knows he's got to do more. And so what does he do? He risks getting arrested by one of the 1,700 police officers that are encircling Madison Square Garden. He goes in and he begins to listen to see what's going on, thinking, probably thinking to himself, is this really happening? Is this really going on right now? 20,000 Nazis in Manhattan, and this guy on stage wants to be America's Hitler. And as he's processing all of this, something inside of him is starting to say enough is enough is enough. 
And so he storms the stage. But he doesn't just storm the stage like from the side or sneak in. He bum rushes the stage from the back of Madison Square Garden, running down the aisle, taking on a row of Nazi stormtroopers who are security for the stage, gets past them, climbs up on stage, throws down the microphone and yells, down with Hitler, willing to take on 20,000 people. Later, as I said, he would go, he would go on to join the Navy um, to fight Nazis. Now, when World War II broke out and Pearl Harbor was bombed, the great American boom was disbanded. And the gentleman leading this, Kuhn, Fritz Kuhn, was, or Fritz Kuhn had his citizenship revoked and was shipped to Europe and was kicked out of the United States. So, you know, there's that, um, which bravo for the U.S. government, right, for saying, hey, no, uh-uh, this isn't okay with us. Get out of the country. And so that's kind of the story in, the nu- in a nutshell. What I want us to take out of this is that sometimes courage means you look stupid. Sometimes courage means people around you aren't going to understand. Sometimes courage means that you're going to stare down 20,000 people. Sometimes courage means that you're going to have to sneak your way past those who are just trying to hold the peace because holding peace may not be the best option, right? Now, no, I am not inciting violence. No, I am not for physical aggression or war or anything like that. So get that completely out of your head. What I am talking about is this, that when you know what is right and you know how on this show we talk about the intersection of your of your intellect, your emotions, and then your physical actions are carried out, right? That's called your heart where those things intersect. At some point, you know how you're wired. You know who you are. You know what your calling is. You know what you're supposed to do. It doesn't matter if there are 20,000 Nazis in front of you. Take them. You. Go for it. Find your mountain. Climb it. Get after it. You know, I earlier this year, I started working out. And I started working out hard. And I'm going to tell you, hitting that gym at 4.30 in the morning, between 4.15 and 4.30, walking into the gym, being the smallest, scrawniest guy in there, when there's bodybuilders in there, for me, that was intimidating, horribly intimidating. But you know what? Everybody starts someplace. Where are you starting? Where are you going? What are you doing? It's time to stare your 20,000 in the face. It's time for you to step out and get started. If that's you and you want to get started, you're ready to get after it. You're ready to push forward. You're ready to start your new business, start your new hobby, start your new healthy habit. Reach out to me, Tyson at TysonPriest.com. Let's get you plugged into the mastermind or let's get you plugged into one-on-one coaching. You can do it. I know you can do it. Stop the self-doubt. Stop the fear. Stop being afraid. Stop it. Get after it. Again, reach out to me, Tyson at TysonPriest.com. If you're listening to this show and you enjoy it, I would encourage you to Rate it, give us a five-star review, leave us a positive comment. That helps bolster uh, our view and helps people see it. Listen, until next week, own it, out. (laughs) 